Hey guys, today I sit down and talk to Nels Kilpla. Nels is a good friend of mine. Nels's obsession is photography, namely wildlife and landscape photography. Uh, Nels and I have spent a lot of time hunting, shed hunting. I've, I've joined Nels on a few of his photography trips in North Dakota. Uh, Nels and I had a learning experience on this one. Uh, when we sit down and chat, we wear headsets. The theory is that we're less likely to cut each other off, which makes a better listening experience for you, the end user. Because of that, Nels and I, with very little experience doing this, we were a little bit tripped up. Uh, you're, you have the headsets on. You're waiting to hear for your voice to finish. There's just a tiny bit of a delay. So in the first five minutes, you hear that. But the content is great, and we dive into it and get warmed up. And this is another awesome one. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Nels. Logan. How's it going? Good, you? Good, good. I brought you on here to talk about photography, but on the way here, I was thinking, is photography number one? I mean, if somehow you had to eliminate photography versus hunting, what would, if you ha you could only do one of them, what would you do? Man, that's, that's a, that'd be a tough question, I guess. I don't, I don't know if I could give you an answer right now, honestly. Yeah. But you don't have a it's not definitive you're not just like yep photography's it or you're hunting's it um it's pretty close yeah i would say i would say they're legitimately even yeah yeah, yeah. how long you been doing photography uh since 2016 um august is 2016 i bought a camera okay yeah so since then it's been pretty regular i mean there's been times periods in time where i spend a ton of time out and then other times where you know it's pretty minimal mm -hmm. how did you initially get into it what inspired you to buy a camera um just well i'd moved out to, to north dakota and uh i just spent a lot of time out hunting and stuff and you run into a lot of situations where uh, I would like to have a, a camera with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just uh, kind of took off from there. Yeah. Because yeah. I came with you a decent amount early on when you were getting into the photography. And at first, it, I felt like it was we were shed hunting into the hunting thing. And all of a sudden, you started bringing in the photography, photography side of things. At first, you had a... Uh, Probably a fairly entry-level camera, I assume. Or are you still using the same one? No, I, uh, yeah, I, I started off with a used entry-level. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of, I've upgraded um, since then. Yeah. And, uh, but, so yeah, it was, I don't know what it was, is a D5300, it was mm -hmm. a Nikon. Um, just an entry level kit lens. It came with a different one, but, um, but yeah. And then I've just kind of continually, um, upgraded since then. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Would it be hard for you to go back right now and try to use an entry level or can you still get some legitimate photos with him? Um, no, it wouldn't, wouldn't be hard. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing with entry level camera gear for me now at the, this point is just um it a lot of the functions aren't there okay. that, that that i use on a day-to-day -day basis and it and that would be kind of uh clunky and just cumbersome mm -hmm. just kind of slows down my whole process but mm -hmm. and right away we're diving into the technical but i'm kind of curious the transition from Hey, I'm going to bring a camera. That'd be neat to start capturing this stuff to all of a sudden you're going out there strictly to photograph versus having it be just a secondary thing. Yeah. Was that pretty quick? Um, no, not really. 
Um, well, I guess, I guess time frames. Looking back, it's tough to really determine. Like, oh well, was it a fast transition or not? But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, in- initially the the cameras came with me just as a secondary type of thing, mm-hmm. and then, um, after I I'd say six eight months, maybe it was like then I kind of took off, and it was, you know, um, kind of a, you know. I don't know how you'd put it, uh, but that was the one reason I'd go out. But mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember, again, I'd spend a lot of time out there shed hunting, scouting, or even early morning drives with my family through the areas and would see you out there, beat us out there. You know, you had to have been getting up at 2, 3 a.m., uh, <clears throat> making long drives, long hikes to get that perfect angle of the sun coming up over the eagle's nest or whatever it is um it felt like you were doing that fairly quickly after you got into it but i don't remember the exact timelines either yeah and so it probably was about um six months or so because it was really in the spring that i i started focus on going out with just just the camera Mm -hmm. um it was you know, during hunting season, I'd I'd take them all with me, right. and they'd just be another part of the gear I brought. Mm-hmm. But come springtime, then it, it was like hunting season was over. I didn't really have you know anything else to get in the way, so I was like, well, hey, I'll go out, mm-hmm. um, you know, try to catch some animals early in the morning, or you know, and then like I said, it well, like you had mentioned the the nesting. Um, mm-hmm. I I found a few golden eagles nests, so I was like, well, you know, I'll run out and I'll take some pictures, you know. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of got out of control from there. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And, and you're modest, you probably won't say, but anybody who wants to look at your Instagram pages or Facebook pages, untamed imagery, yep. unbelievable, the, the pictures oh, that you've come yeah, up thanks. with. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I always I always feel like if you're if you're really uh, interested in something, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's weddings, some people it's weddings, right. yeah. <laughs> some some people it's portraits, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, generally, if that's really what you care about, generally it'll it'll come through and mm-hmm. the images you take and. Um, for me, it doesn't matter. It might take me two years to get an image that I've thought up in my head that I that I want to capture. But um, with wildlife, you get limited opportunities and mm-hmm. limited light. I mean, you can go out, light can be great, and in a half hour, everything changes. Mm-hmm. And either the animals ain't there or they are there. But then the light changes, rain comes in, you know, it's, mm-hmm. there's a million variables. And I, I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Cause it's like this really, uh, unpredictable, um, thing that you just, you just never know what each day is, is going to produce. Whereas yeah. a lot of times in our lives these days, everything's pretty cut and dried. It's like, yeah. you know, you know, there's going to be gas at the gas station. They're going to have coffee. It's like, I don't know, really predictable. Yeah. But um, wildlife photography isn't, um, you know, even just landscapes aren't, mm-hmm. you know. But That would be your two focuses, right? Wildlife and landscapes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I've, you know, obviously I've taken pictures of some, you know, family situations or whatever but mm-hmm. i mean for the most part that just not an interest of mine but mm-hmm. um but yeah so early on what was the hook or what got you to go you said it got out of control where did that come from or, or what about photography did that for you was it just the unknown or i'm picturing like 
capturing that perfect image it's one out of a thousand or whatever it is for some reason like that thrill of the chase would be part of it too but anyways what what did it for you um i think what happened was it was it's so similar to hunting yeah like i always tell people i go out with a bow or a rifle a camera is no different mm-hmm. i need it there's a certain distance i have to get to produce a decent image or you know and it's like it's it's extremely similar and it's just something that i enjoy i just love being out there so it's it's uh yeah it's that was kind of the draw and then you know you realize so well a lot of this gear is holding me back like cameras that aren't weatherproofed enough i can't go out in the rain mm-hmm. and you know when you get out in the rain the snow you know the the marginal weather a lot of times can produce really good images mm-hmm. but if you have gear that can't handle that well it kind of handcuffs you mm-hmm. and yeah so that's um a big reason i kept improving my gear was because you know it's like stuff i'm out with now it can be pouring down rain and you know i'll be out there for half hour hour 45 minutes in rain Mm -hmm. and get a bunch of images that you know i i couldn't have got three four years ago Mm -hmm. but yeah um do you have any images that rise to the top uh could you name like a top five or moments or images from when you're doing it? Oh, <laughs> that would be tough. Um, but I mean, I do have one that really stands out in my mind, I guess. that was It was kind of one of the first situations that, uh, that I kind of got really caught up in a certain series of images or a situation mm-hmm. and it was it was a badger um it was digging its winter den because they'll den for like just a couple months yeah um they don't really hibernate they just go in, into like a low activity level for a couple months mm-hmm. so he was digging that den and this was uh early december mm-hmm. and uh i saw him out in a prairie dog town digging the den so i i uh grabbed my gear i i hustled out there he was digging down in the hole and each time he he'd uh come up up i'd be set up take a few images and then uh i would he'd go back down i'd move a little closer take a few more images when he'd pop up and uh I ended up getting some, well, up until that point, it was probably some of the best images I'd had, but that was just due to the proximity, how close I was, mm-hmm. and then um, the, uh, the, <clears throat> how did you, well, the, I guess the light, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the sun rising was kind of delayed because there was like a like a thin overcast sky mm-hmm. so um that just you know it, the light didn't turn harsh like it normally does mm-hmm. as quickly so it kind of gave me a lot more time a longer window mm-hmm. to uh get you know get a bunch of images but yeah but yeah and i've had um few good good interactions with like elk you know summertime um and actually just this past october it was raining and i had probably a you know 380 inch bull screaming and bugling you know within 100 yards Mm -hmm. um but but yeah i was gonna say my favorite i think i've seen is the elk in the rain that was unbelievable yeah uh, you probably know which one i'm talking about right yeah. probably the one you're yeah. referencing here yeah it was crazy it's like you're there in the moment this elk is bugling the rain somehow that's captured in it too i don't i don't know yeah it's unbelievable yeah. yeah that was like i said that was due to you know the like i said the gear and then um 
knowing the animals, knowing what those elk are going to do, and then, um, you know, just playing the wind and uh, trying to get close enough that you can get some good usable images, but then also being, um, you know, at a distance where you can move. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that was, it was a lot of luck. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of it is just getting out there and, you know, time is, time is everything. There's no substitute for time. You know? mm -hmm. but. Do you do a lot of, uh, technical thinking about like angles and composition and stuff like that? Or do you more ju just shoot and see what turns out or is it a mix? Um, I'd say it's definitely, a a, a mix like, uh, that same, that same morning I had two bulls, um, and they kind of moved off. They ended up on this ridge and they were backlit with, with the sunrise and, you know, the sun coming through the clouds. So it was like. You know, as, as, as soon as I saw him up there, like in my mind, I knew what that image would look like mm -hmm. or somewhat, you know, what, what, what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely uh, some of that technical aspect, like, you know, depending on the clouds, the sun, whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, I can kind of put together in my head what the potential um for an image you know like what it may or may not look like but right and probably an elementary question but are you way quicker at getting your settings right where you're not having to re-switch it many times just a couple times and you've got it compared to when you for when you even when you're six months in you're pretty proficient to now do you see a big difference or is it still a little bit of a trial and error from getting your correct settings um no it's yeah there's there's no longer like a trial and error period anymore yeah. i'd say it's more <laughs> like uh it's like boom okay the lights like this like i i just have a a really efficient system mm -hmm. um white balance is set on daylight all the time mm -hmm. like um and yeah it's like most of the time i'm shooting really early or you know really eight in the evening mm -hmm. so it's like if i got my 600 millimeter i'm shooting at f4 like you know wide open mm -hmm. um there's just no faster aperture with that lens right so um yeah it's yeah you kind of come up with a system that works and you know it's you know because i'm all about efficiency mm -hmm. if you can just expose it properly that's most important right and then you know the other uh like you said compositions and so on that stuff just kind of will naturally come mm -hmm. um but if I don't care how well uh, it's composed, but if you don't have a uh, a proper exposure, mm -hmm. um, the image just won't work. So, right. But. Yeah, because that's probably the most daunting thing to new photographers is those initial settings. Mm -hmm. At least for me, the little bit I've messed, I'm like f-stop, this, uh, yeah. aperture, ISO. I don't know what any of this is. Yeah. I mean, I've I've got a very limited idea, but. If I was to go out and try right now, 100% trial and error. Yeah. You know. No, and that's that's how I was initially, for sure. It was a lot of missed shots. Um, I First camera I got, set it in manual mode, and just trial and error, shoot and fail, shoot and fail. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's, I mean people's advice is people's advice right i mean mine worked for me but you know but i just feel like most people they get a camera that's what they should do mm -hmm. is take it out of auto 
put it in manual or aperture priority, whatever it is, and just shoot, 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 shoot. You're, you're, you know, you're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You may miss some shots, but it forces you to learn. And um, it's like the longer you sit there handcuffed with, you know, auto or aperture priority modes, um, the longer it's going to take you to learn mm-hmm. because people just get – it's too easy to get comfortable mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, but be like, wow, I just – I can't do that or, you know. Yeah, yeah. So being a hunter makes you a better wildlife photographer, I'd have to assume. I think so. Um, Because first and foremost, it comes down to being able to to get into an animal's space, whether it's, you know, from a distance or up close. You have to understand animals, how -hmm. they move, when they move, um, you know, where they're going to be at certain times of day, whether it's midday, morning, evening, um, you know, and summertime there's water elk are going to be around water so and they're going to be around water in the mornings and evenings Mm -hmm. um which kind of make it easy if there's a lot of water may not be but Mm -hmm. um and they don't like people um they're really shy a lot of times deer uh bison you know some other animals still tolerate people but um even in the national park in North Dakota, the elk don't tolerate people. So mm-hmm. Yellowstone, they do, but sure. you know, North Dakota, they don't. So, right. Yeah. Yellowstone gets a lot of visitors. Um, so where do you see this going? Photography? Do you think it's something or do you have a next step in it on a personal or professional level? Um, I've obviously, you know, you've entertained the thought of potentially doing it or trying to do it full time or, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I, I don't have a, a definitive plan. So it's kind of just up in the air and yeah. it's something I really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd, I'd really enjoy it as a job. Like if mm-hmm. there was something, okay, you have to go out, you have to get these images, um, this is what we're looking for. Um, but you know, like I said, there's, there's a potential for making money Mm -hmm. in the future. If you, you know, just whether it's fine art prints or, you know, I mean, it's not easy and especially in the, the, the wildlife side of things. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, there's really minimal like money making jobs Mm -hmm. with that. And, so, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just feel like eventually maybe something will come from it. Maybe something won't, but, um, but yeah, for now I'm not really focused on that. Mm-hmm. But like I said, um, who knows what, what may come down the line, you know, yeah. but. And I think if you focus on that from the start, obviously you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know, but. I'm trying to think even from a hunting perspective, I've thought and dreamed like, man, what would it be like to be a guide? But it, I could see it taming hunting, you know, mm-hmm. I, I live for it and love it. But if you're going to make it a job, I could see that taming what your passion is. So obviously the same could happen in photography. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Cause yeah, a lot of people have asked me about this, you know, they're like, Oh, there's so- great photos you know and it's like well yeah but there's a lot of great photographers out there Mm -hmm. um whether it's wildlife nature i mean it's a super competitive market and you know with the advancements in in gear that keep coming out it's like you know there's there's a lot of good photographers out there and Mm -hmm. to make money doing it you have to I, 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 I feel like you really need to focus on kind of one thing and do that one thing really, really well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, you can take photos of newborn babies and landscapes and in people's houses or real estate, but 
you know, and you might make money, but it's like on the weekends when mm-hmm. I get up at three in the morning and go out in the woods and hike with a camera, take photos of elk or deer or, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's like that would I, it's like I'd be taking all those images just to go out on the weekends and take those ones. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, cause I, it just, yeah, photography is a very vast um, thing, and people just kind of are like, "Oh, you're a photographer! Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool!" <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah," and you just kind of nod and smile because it's like, "Well, there's, I mean, the way I do things, like I, I could hand my cameras to someone, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, they would, they wouldn't know the first thing." I mean, I the way the way I use my autofocus, the the way I use my metering for exposing images mm-hmm. is going to be different than someone else. I mean, it's just like taking a bow or a firearm or something mm-hmm. from someone else and trying to shoot it, right? I mean, right. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so you've gotten into photography many different animals like you said bison elk badgers golden eagles uh bighorn sheep uh locally probably some whitetail stuff like that Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite animal or or something like that that rises to the top i'd have to say elk um yeah elk is just i love haunting them and uh I love photographing them. They're just so, uh, I don't know, if for some reason it's just elk. Either elk or uh, golden eagles. Yeah. Um, the one thing I really like about golden eagles is they're so, um, they're super shy. Mm-hmm. And most people have never actually seen a golden eagle in their life. Um, even though out west there's typically a lot of them. Um, but they just don't tolerate humans very well. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, they're, they're one of the few hunters, um, as far as eagles are concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, they just, I don't know. They're pretty neat. Cause bald eagles are just scavengers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically that and fish. Yeah. But. And that's how most eagles are. They're they're usually uh, fish slash scavengers. So yeah. yeah, and the golden eagle pictures that you were taking, I'm picturing they're right on the edge of a big cliff. Typically, right? Do they they must like a huge vantage that they can see from that nest or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah generally, cliffs. Um, very f- seldom in trees, but. Okay. Um, there are nests that have been documented in trees, but mm-hmm. very rare. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm picturing the young golden eagles you had and the picture super close up and dead fish and a snake maybe in the nest. I don't know. It's just crazy. Like, you know, yeah. nobody ever else would even see that other than looking through your yeah. pictures. Yeah. They had a bull snake, a pheasant, a rabbit. A prairie dog, and then a carp sucker, all yeah. in the same nest. Yeah. But um, and then the two young chicks. But um, but yeah, they're a real like I said, a opera, opera, opportunistic hunters. Yeah, and uh, they're they're real effective at yeah. you know hunting. But right, yeah. The uh, part of what I'm doing or that I'm looking into with this podcast is called obsessed is most everything I do. And obviously other people do it way harder than I do, but I just, I find I can't do it unless I'm just totally engaged. Like I can just passively go hunt one weekend a year or something like that. Like I need to be all in and that's the only way I operate. Um, is trying to find other people that are similar. It could be about photography for you, for example, and just say, where does that stem from? 
for you, where, where do you think it stems from? What makes you that way where you, you're not just a, Hey, I'm going to go out once or twice a year. No, I'm like every day off. I'm up at, up at 3am and hitting the hills or whatever. Yeah. What makes you that way? I don't know. Cause I mean, when I was younger, I did everything, Yeah, you know, you kind of play a little hockey, basketball, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, um, it seems like as I've gotten older, my hobbies have kind of diminished in number, mm-hmm. but what I do has become more serious. Like, so I always tell people I have three hobbies. Mm-hmm. I take photos, I go hunting, and I got my horses, mm-hmm. and that's it. Right. But it's like I do those, you know, full hog, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, it just, it just seems like I get more enjoyment out of something if I just really focus yeah. and, uh, and, you know, like you said, just, just really get almost obsessed with it, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. 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 You can tell, I mean, about you, you can tell that it's, uh all in yeah. you've probably spent however many thousands on camera gear thousands and thousands of hours actually actually mm-hmm. out there photographing um or, yeah. or taking pictures but yeah that's part of what this is all about is just to examine that what does that come from is there negative and positive aspects of being like that um i think it's mostly positive i've said mm-hmm. it before uh, like in my own family life there's some negative components where I should be doing this important thing with my family. But instead, I'm thinking about the trip that I've got co- coming up in a week or two or something. You know, there's certainly a, a detrimental aspect to it. Or I should be working, but instead I'm researching where I'm going hunting next week. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, for, I mean, it happens. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll be home in like, to be honest, I'm thinking, well, okay. When I head back to North Dakota, I had to pack up and head to South Dakota yeah. because the uh, the Bighorn rut is on right now. It should be in about full swing. So, yeah, there's always that in the back of my mind. And you're like, sometimes I feel a little guilty because I'll end up, I might end up leaving a little earlier than I should because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, I mean, this, you know, this couple weeks is you know, is all we're going to get. And then Mm. it's going to be over. And I mean, so it's, yeah, it does. Like you said, it does interfere at times, but, Mm. um, I, I just think overall it, it helps you. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, obviously if it's was to the point where I just never came home, never visited family Mm -hmm. would skip meals because of it. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's just, if it's something you really enjoy and, you know, you, you get something from it, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's okay to be a little obsessed, I think. Mm-hmm. No, I think there's a benefit and maybe I just frame it so that I feel there's a benefit because that's how I operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there is, but I see it filter into other parts of my life, like in real estate, for example. Um, when I'm going through the initial learning experience, I'm still learning things every day, but like my mind is on it all day, every day. I, I feel like I can learn things very quickly because of it um, and go from, I know nothing to competent in a, in a very quick fashion. I think that's because of that. Yeah. You know, so it helps you in other areas where it can be detrimental in others. But yeah, if, if I didn't have something, that had me engaged like that i'd feel like empty inside like if i just lived a life without something that was always yeah just keeping you fired up what would i can't imagine i guess yeah yeah i i definitely feel the same way um it's yeah i mean i was i was just hunting in um, nebraska last week with Mm -hmm. uh two of my nephews and a brother-in-law and that's what i kept telling them i was like that's why i love hunting with other people 
in a hunting camp kind of setting because mm-hmm. um it's like my hunting my hunting ain't over till mm-hmm. all of us are tag day out right so it's like this this uh this thing i can i can hunt all week mm-hmm. even though i shot a buck second morning my tags filled right but there's three other tags that I can go hunt on basically mm-hmm. and, you know, try to fill those tags. And cause at the end of the day, I like, I like shooting an animal cause I like meat in the freezer, mm-hmm. but I also like hunting. So right. it's like, it's always a, a catch 22. Cause you're like, Oh, well tags filled. I got meat in the freezer, but now what? Right. Cause the hunt's over. Well, and that's where the photography comes in. Because if I don't have another tag, I just grab the camera gear, and it's like I'm hunting again. Mm-hmm. It's just now I'm just hunting for that image. And I mean, if you ever, if I ever get it, I'll let you know. But right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Obviously, we're not totally unique. There's a lot of people we know that are like this. Uh, some to more extremes. Your brother Ricky is obviously obsessed with hunting to the next extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I just can't imagine not being that way. Like, how do you operate? But maybe I don't know. At times, I think everybody must operate that way. But then you run into people that can't comprehend, or it just doesn't make sense to them why you would be as extreme as you are. And then you realize, okay, no, it isn't a a common trait with everybody. The mm-hmm. yeah, where you just have to be totally all in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's been fun to fun to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Have you thought about that or did you know that about yourself before we started talking? I mean obviously you must have, but have you thought it thought about it of any extent of the hey, why can't I just passively do this? Um I guess not really. Like I said, I have noticed that, you know, the older I've gotten, it seems like the more focused I am on, you know, just a few different hobbies. Mm -hmm. And I definitely seem to enjoy them a lot more Mm -hmm. than than when I used to do everything and hang out with friends and do all this other crap and it's like like i did a million things Uh but i didn't do anything well right and it's like now it it feels really good to do a few things well yeah and um i don't know you just kind of get you know a good but kind of a sense of a accomplishment from it um Mm -hmm. you know Mika's jobs are jobs. Um, at least the ones I've had. I, you know, like I, like my brother Trevor's always said that uh, I work a job to make money so I can go do the things that I want on to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I always thought that that that's kind of where I've been mm-hmm. in. You know, so there's a part of me that's like, well, well, I mean, maybe I should start focusing on a way to make money doing the things I want to do, right. you know. And, I mean, like I said, that idea has been tossed around in my head many times. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things I go back and back and forth on. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, there's that that part of it. You're like, well... Am I going to wreck it mm-hmm. if I start doing it full time as a job? Now I have to perform doing it. Right. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I think you could set it up where you're not compromising your photo- uh, photographic integrity. You know what I mean? Like you're not trying to like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to get. And you're out photographing things you're not passionate about that you don't care about. I feel like you could somehow set it up where you can make it a financial thing, but structure it where you're only doing things that you still care about, you know, and you're not tied to a corporate structure. Um, 
I don't know what it would be. I mean, like you said, freelance prints, stuff like that. But it just feels like you could get into it and make it a thing maybe where you don't taint it because you're never willing to cross a line that... I feel like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I don't know what the line is, but don't cross a line where this isn't what I would do if it wasn't for the money. Or, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. You would still do this regardless if there's money there or not, but you're just structuring it in a way where there is a financial aspect of it. Yeah. And that's that's something I've... uh, It's like... Like you mentioned, that's that, that's the one thing that I really have trouble kind of uh, formulating, I guess, as far as some sort of business plan. Because it's like, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I enjoy doing. And I'm not going to compromise that for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not that type of person. I don't need to make a million dollars to be happy. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but yeah, it's just tough to kind of work out a strategy mm-hmm. to say, well, all these early mornings, you know, one out of seven at least is going to pay for the gas in the tank. But, right. um, you know, like I said, I do, I do sell prints on my web, website mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, but it's like, you don't make a whole lot of money on that. Mm-hmm. It's more or less just, you know, something to, it's kind of just been passive. I have, I haven't really actively got, you know, super motivated about promoting any of it or, or, uh, really even doing a ton of work on the website. And, uh, you know, it's like running a business or, you know, taking images for a business, that's what it's going to turn into, right? You're going to have a lot of that sort of software, the the websites, the you know dealing with customer emails and so on. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's easy to forget, you know. Sometimes it's like all that stuff's going to come mm-hmm. if that's what you 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 focus on. You're mm-hmm. going to be outside taking these images. But you're probably going to be spending six to seven times that amount of time sitting in front of a computer or, like you said, answering emails or mm-hmm. whatever it is. But Right. Um, what about photography on like a, uh, I mean, like a meat eater hunt or something like that? Would you ever consider something like that? Um, yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, I've, I've taken my cameras out. out on most hunts um but yeah it's it's always tough when you have a tag in your pocket because that that always trumps oh yeah the photography right i'm like oh i got a tag i mean i gotta fill this tag um i have yet to be on a hunt where i've tagged out early enough and been able to go out and like just focus on taking images of the hunt with someone else. And um, I keep thinking one of these times it's going to happen, but mm-hmm. it hasn't. Cause like you said, I, w- I would like to try that. Like just, but it's like, I've either got to not buy a tag and go anyway, mm-hmm. or it's like, get lucky, fill that tag super early in the hunt. And then, focus on just taking images you know Mm -hmm. but um that was neat for me personally when you shot your buck and me ricky marty and you were there yeah you shot it you gave me the camera i don't know you probably set it on some settings and said only adjust this one and uh as we were packing it out i was taking pictures of you three you three brothers hiking out and whatever yeah um and even into my uneducated uh, skill set. I feel like I got a couple neat photos yeah. of you guys, even from a memory perspective. They probably weren't uh-huh. crazy, technically amazing, um, but from a memory perspective, yeah. it was neat to be able to capture that with something better than a cell phone picture. Now, forever, you've got pictures yeah. of you three brothers packing out a deer out of the Badlands. Uh, 
yeah, there's something neat about that. Yeah, actually, I have um, I have one of those pictures framed. It's on my wall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's no, it is cool. Like you know, having that, mm-hmm. which you know, like you said, it's. I mean, it's it's not an image that's probably going to win any awards, but right. you know, it's it was exposed properly, and you know, it's in focus, and right. really, that's that's all we were looking for there, right? Right. But um, but yeah, it's it's neat having that, and you know, like like I said, I'm so focused on the wildlife side of things mm-hmm. that sometimes you forget about that side of photography. And mm-hmm. I mean, whenever I do photograph people, I I like to get real candid, truly candid mm-hmm. images, like. Just hanging around camp, get images of people, and they don't know I'm I'm, I'm take uh, like taking the photograph, right? right. And then, uh, to be honest, those are like my favorite like wedding images, right? right? Like a wedding photographer will post a bunch of pictures, and I'm always scrolling through, and you're always like the ones that always catch my eye are the ones that aren't staged, mm-hmm. and whether it's people at the like sitting at the reception or like those kind of images. It just feels like it's just like a real, like a real moment in time that was captured. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of neat because either you can see the expressions on their faces and whatever it is. But in, mm-hmm. I think that's what I love about wildlife. Cause it's like, it ain't faked. Mm-hmm. It isn't staged. Um, it's just real. It's raw. It's what's in front of you, mm-hmm. and you get an instant to pull the trigger and get that image, and that's it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's no frills, right? You know, no shortcuts. It's like it is what it is. Yeah. No, I could see that. I I would enjoy that on a hunt. Say like with somebody else, they're on their hunt, taking pictures. And trying to be where, like, hey, guys, I'm not even here. Maybe you don't have to say that, but somehow they're just hunting and you're in the background. Ideally, you do your job if they only notice one out of 20 pictures that you took. Um, That would be fun. I would really enjoy that side. And I could see you doing that. Yeah. Um, And now with the whole mirrorless camera systems that come out, you know, silent shutters, Uh um, it's actually a lot more doable. Um, the cameras focus really quietly. Um, you know, even standing in the woods, it'd be really hard to hear, you know, someone taking an image. So, um, and I do have one mirrorless camera, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and the other one's just a DSLR, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Would you you could see yourself doing that though, or no? Or would yeah, that be a compromise? Yeah, I, I could. I mean, like I said, it would be a compromise. But I mean, it's like sometimes it's what you got to do, and mm-hmm. you can't always hunt everything every year. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's. It's like eventually I'm gonna have to compromise some for this or that, um, and I don't know if I'm quite ready mm-hmm. to do that, but <laughs> maybe in the future, you know, yeah. I I'd compromise a few tags just to go out with the camera and you know just like you said, just shadow somebody and you know just get a bunch of images, mm-hmm. but yeah. Or probably something where there's at least two other hunters. Maybe you could do it, but it feels like it'd be easier for you to sling to the background if there's two other guys together mm-hmm. that are hunting. You know, if they're hunting mule deer, they're glassing together. One guy's yeah. going to shoot, and it's easy for you to kind of, yeah, just be in the background and be in the shadows. Yeah. And elk hunting's really good for that because yeah. you're usually out with, you know, a couple people. Right. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. You should actually just go hunting with somebody without them knowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> park 
a, a half mile behind yeah. them. Sneak along, take pictures <laughs> of the whole hunt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. That'd be good. Show up at their house. Hey, yeah. I took these images of you. What yeah. do you think? <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, you're sitting there glassing over to you. You look over, there's Nels in a tree 30 yards away <laughs> taking pictures. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, no definite plans, hey, moving forward, just something you're just engaged in. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, um, I'm not currently working. I did apply a few places um, yeah. just a week ago. So, um, like I said, I, I mean, one of the jobs I applied for is like an eight and six. So, Mm-hmm. eight days on six days off so that would kind of give me time to you know do this sort of sort of thing on mm-hmm. the side but um yeah but yeah. No, not that you need a plan mm-hmm. um any advice for new photographers would that be your top advice of hey take it out of auto mode or anyways i guess you should yeah. answer that question any advice for new <laughs> photographers yeah that would be first thing just put it in manual mode and uh start rolling dials yeah. pull the trigger see what happens and you know I mean, you can take pictures in your basement in your backyard whatever it is but mm-hmm. um exposed for the highlights you know i mean yeah there's i mean i could spend six hours talking about the technicalities but mm-hmm. um yeah i think a lot of people get hung up on the technicalities but mm-hmm. it's like um a lot of times they just get in the way so like i said i i, I try to find a way to simplify everything mm-hmm. so i'm shooting in manual mode but it's like Generally, I go into a situation and I know exactly what my aperture is going to be. Mm-hmm. So it's like now I'm just adjusting shutter speed in my ISO to match what I'm looking for in the image. If mm-hmm. I want motion blur, then I'm going to be shooting a lot lower shutter speed, lower ISO, higher ISO, higher shutter speed if I want to freeze everything. Um, so yeah, it's, and then, like I said, white balance. So that way, when I go in to edit the images, they're all the same, Mm -hmm. right? Um, if you have that white balance set on auto, this is something I dealt with for a couple years before I finally realized like, no, just set it, forget it. Mm -hmm. You can adjust it in Lightroom later Hmm. if the color temperature is not what it should be. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, a lot of those things, cause then it's like with auto, uh, with the color temperature on auto, it's like if the, the scene changes slightly. So if it's an overcast day and you have a little bit of sunlight coming through, well, then the sun goes away, your color temperature could go, you know, two, 3000 Kelvin one way or the, or the other. Mm-hmm. And then you get in post and it's like the scene should really look the same, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't because that white balance is bouncing around. Right. And it just makes things harder for you. Yeah. You after the fact. Yeah. Post meaning the editing when you get it up. Yeah. Yeah. On the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anybody who hasn't should go check out your page. The untamed imagery on, is it Instagram, Facebook? You've got a website. Yeah, uh, all all three. Yeah. yeah, so it's Untamed Imagery on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, UntamedImagery dot com. But yeah, it's a website. But yeah, <clears throat> my wife and I have been saying for years we need to order some prints for you, um, yeah. from you. So yeah. something I need to work on for the yeah. house and for the office would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's no, it's been fun. Um, but 
that's been a big a big learning curve and um yeah i i've i've had a lot of people that have messaged me here and there about different questions um about camera gear and Mm -hmm. and uh i always feel like man there's hundreds of people on youtube that have videos that are really informational but i don't know maybe sometimes it's easier if it's someone you know yeah um and you have a specific question and you don't feel like watching a 20 minute video to find the answer to one small question but right um but yeah it's that's pretty much how i learned everything was um just trial and error and you know like i said there's a lot of good information on youtube there's a lot of bad Mm -hmm. but um but yeah overall there's a lot of people with good information and Mm -hmm. you know but yeah for sure (laughs) anything else you'd want to add anything else we didn't cover that you felt like you wish we would have not really i guess yeah i mean like i said i could talk about photography for for days but yeah. um we'd probably lose a lot of people right. <laughs> <along> <laughs> the way. Yeah. But, have you brought anyone else with you like has anybody else gotten fired up with you to get after it at all no i haven't um i have had one guy that that's talking about coming out to north dakota and coming out with me but yeah. um i told him yeah whenever Whenever you get a chance, let me know. Yeah. And um, I was gonna let him know when I was gonna go to South to, when I was gonna go to South Dakota yeah. and see if he wanted to come down um, to Badlands National Park and uh, go down there for the Bighorn Rut. But mm-hmm. um, but ultimately, what I really want to do is get him in North Dakota. Um, in the spring for sharp tail, yeah. sharp tail gauze. Cause that's real easy to take someone with you because you got, you're sitting in a blind. Mm-hmm. Um, I know where there's a lack They come back every year. Um, so it, it would be a real good way to introduce somebody to, mm-hmm. you know, cause he hasn't really taken any wildlife photos or anything or, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, so it'd be neat to take him along and just kind of, you know, we can set up in the blind and, you know, it's like, it's, it's laid back wildlife photography. Mm-hmm. You got a cup of coffee, you got, uh, sitting in a blind, mm-hmm. um, the birds are, you know, as long as the blind is there before the sun comes up, before they come to the lack. Mm-hmm. Um, they just accept it. So, um, you know, usually I'll set up the blind a few days before I plan on sitting and then I'll just leave it up. And yeah. So yeah, you hike in the dark, get set up and just wait. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty easy compared to most of my days, which are just spent covering ground and, yeah. and, uh, but, but you get to see a pretty spectacular show. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's um something not a lot of people see. And um yeah, they put on quite a show. I actually I actually like it before the females get there. Huh. Um because early on, like late March, early April, the males are kind of uh determining the the uh the hierarchy so mm-hmm. it's uh they fight for hours sometimes huh. and like they'll be bleeding they tear feathers out of each other like it's it's gets it very vicious mm-hmm. but um and then once by the time you know the females start coming to the lex the males have all their little areas worked out so mm-hmm. they all they all end up with these you know these certain areas some are like about four feet around huh. and then some are smaller mm-hmm. it depends on uh like the dominance of the bird but um 
But yeah, once they get that hashed out, then they just kind of do their little dance and they hang out waiting for the females and mm-hmm. the females will come through and then they kind of choose the males they want to breed with and uh, then they'll breed and then they take off. But Right. The males are plumaging with their feathers puffing their chest. Is there like a, a, a yellow thing that pops out? What? I'm, yeah. I'm not quite familiar. Yeah, they have um, they have combs. They're called combs. They're above their eyes. Basically, they're like yellow eyelashes above their eyes. Yeah. Then they have um, kind of on their where their sides of their neck would be. They have their feathers move away, and they have these these big skin patches that are purple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's kind of it for their coloration. Um, for the males, the females don't have any coloration. They're just, you know, browns and whites. And, mm-hmm. and then the males have, um, they have two tail feathers. And those tail feathers click and they make a sound. But when they dance and then they like stomp their feet. But yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Let's close out. You spent a lot of time around bison. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any close calls or watch any other uh, uneducated tourists have any close calls? Um, I haven't seen anyone else, but I have. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I learned a, a valuable lesson in bison body language that day, but um, I did get charged. But yeah, I what was, was that? To, what's that? What was that story? Well. It was uh, it was one of the first times that I went out with a a big lens I had bought um, specifically for um, bison. I went out. I knew this bison hung around this plateau, kind of away from away from roads and stuff. So I was like, "Well, I'll walk it, and there, you know, there won't be other people to, you know." drive by honk their horn to get it to look at me or whatever mm-hmm. so i was like oh it'll be a nice place kind of away from everything and so i i hiked in there and you know i found the bison they're real easy to find but so i was taking taking some images of them and uh well he started moving and he's kind of feeding moving along well i kept trying to circle to get ahead of him and um and then well he was then he's just started walking well trying to circle ahead of him well it's like i'm walking really fast trying to get ahead of him and he didn't like that hmm. and he started posturing putting his tail up and he's rolling his eyes i could see like the whites of his eyes and uh i kind of just wasn't heeding it like oh, I gotta get ahead of him, get this straight on shot, him coming at me, and and then that was I mean I was fifteen yards from him, and he just ended up turning, charging me, huh. but I mean I was I was near some trees in a real steep uh, cliff, so I just kind of ran into the trees, kind of over the edge and. I mean, once I ran away from him, he quit charging. But, um, yeah. but yeah, like I said, I learned a valuable lesson. Um, the best, the best method for bison. Um, usually, they'll let you really close, especially the bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I always say, if they start paying attention to, stop what you're doing yeah. and just, just just hang out. Hmm. Um, and then they go back to ignoring you, feeding, whatever it is, looking the other way. Then you can go ahead and move, adjust. But hmm. um, yeah, just being real deliberate around them and just taking your time um, changes everything. I've I haven't had one charge me since, mm-hmm. and I've I've been very very close to bison um, many many times, but. I always like to have something that I can get behind or, mm-hmm. 
a steep hill I can run over in case. Right. But, um, and usually I don't, I don't tend to get really close to them if there's other people around. Cause yeah. like I said, the hardest thing to predict is what the idiots from out of town are going to do. <laughs> right. Um, like I said, honking their horn, yelling, clapping, trying to get something to look at them. Uh-huh. And, you know, so. But. Yeah. Any mountain lion encounters while you're with your, had your camera? No. No. Um, unfortunately not. Hopefully one of these years. But. Uh, yeah. But they're pretty secretive. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, maybe running them with hounds, you'd be able to get some pictures, but. But I'd like to get, you know, like I said, I, I, I like to get just natural pictures, things that just happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that sort of stuff would be, you know, I mean, it's tree, dogs. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't really appeal to me, I guess. But Right. The activity could be fun, but I agree from yeah. a photography perspective, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be into it. Yeah. I, yeah, it's. It would be definitely fun to do, mm-hmm. and I mean it's it's the most effective way to hunt mountain lions. Um, when you tree one, you can look up there and you can see oh it's a female, it's a male. Mm-hmm. Um, you can determine kind of roughly how old it is by the size, and you know so I definitely see that method of take for hunting is is extremely important in my opinion. But mm-hmm. as far as getting wildlife images i don't i don't doesn't really appeal appeal to me mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well thanks for coming on yeah appreciate it we should do it again you bet anytime yeah. hey guys thank you for listening today i hope you enjoyed it if you have and you feel so inclined share this podcast with your friends Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.